Good morning, friends. Would you thank Malcolm Payne again, our guest artist? <laughs> Malcolm, we're honored to have you and grateful that you're sharing your gift with us today. I know you were blessed by that, and we celebrate his presence and the opportunity to celebrate God, right? There's a weekend for celebration, not only here in worship, but, you know, there's this little game going on this afternoon. And I just need for you to know that I'm in prayer for all of you who believe the 49ers are going to win. So <laughs> just saying, just saying, I still love you and we can remain friends. It's just a football game. It's just a football game. Okay. We really are glad that you're here. We're delighted to celebrate together. It's been good uh, last week, and I hope for this week, uh, that we become unhurried, right? That we discuss and develop ways to recognize that God can help strengthen our resolve and encourage us in a spiritual journey, because we all need that, right? Part of what we've discovered in our lives, I don't know about you, but I know certainly for myself, is that every once in a while I realize, man, I am overbooked. I'm overscheduled. I got too many things on my plate. I'm overcommitted, and I, I don't know how to kind of get out of that or get beyond that or get through that, right? And we all feel it every once in a while, some of us more than others, and certainly some of us are overscheduled more than others, but it's a part of our hectic, harried world. And it was interesting to discover this week that uh, even on a, a social media stream like TikTok, which is, you know, generally for people a little younger than me, maybe younger than you, I don't know, but that they're talking about this and they're, they're helping us to see this. So I want you to see a couple of brief clips from some women who've realized how overcommitted, overscheduled, overfunctioning they are. It's a great story. Listen. So how's it going? I'm so busy. I'm even busier. I'm actually the busiest. Between the new business I started, the current business that I have, and my passion project, I guess you could say I'm pretty busy. Yeah, I guess between working out with a personal trainer, starting my new YouTube channel, and grocery shopping for my vegan diet, I guess this is the busiest I've ever been in my entire life. I'm actually starting my own winery, which keeps me pretty busy. I'm super busy writing my memoir. I've been rescuing dogs. I'm saving the ocean. I'm having a baby. I'm having twins. Twins. We have to get a girl's night on the books. What about next weekend? Flag football? Okay, Sunday we have soccer. The following weekend, birthday parties, yep. What about looking into October? First weekend, fall festival. Yeah, you're gonna be out of town? Okay. Um, 2024? You ever feel that? Isn't that amazing? I mean, we really do sort of overcommit, overschedule, uh, over function in lots of different ways. We find ourselves pretty hectic and harried, and um, we need to move out of that. We need to move from hurried to unhurried. We need to move from the chaos of the world and our lives that we participate in into some order and some calmness, right? We need to move from a sense of burden, golly, I got so much to do and I can't function and I don't, you know, burden to a sense of ease, and a sense of uh, strength that God can offer us. It's why we wanted to offer this series called Unhurried, because we recognize that there are some rhythms in life and certainly in faith that can claim our hearts. And in claiming our hearts, help us function in a less hectic, harried way. So last week, we talked about the rhythms of rest 
and remembering, right? That we, we really do have time to rest. We can find a place for rest in our lives. We need to be diligent about that, deliberate about that. And as we rest, we also need to find a reconnection or a remembering with God because that helps us to find that gracious rhythm that God has for us. Today I want to talk a little bit about another form of rhythm that is equally helpful and beneficial to our spiritual lives and to our regular day-to-day lives. I want to call that the rhythms of um, relying on or trusting in Jesus and reconnecting or receiving from Jesus. Because when we get into these rhythms of relying and receiving, they can make all the difference in the world in terms of how we face the hecticness of our lives. And Jesus has a great teaching on this. Now, Jesus taught actually quite a bit on this, but I want to pull from Matthew's gospel in the 11th chapter. Here, Jesus has been talking about his authority what it is he comes to bring for God's kingdom, how it is he's going to implement that and invite us into that, and in fact, how a part of that is our salvation and this right relationship that God desires for us in and through his son, Jesus. So Jesus is talking not only to his faithful 12 disciples, but to a gathered body who want to know more about who this guy is and what it is he's teaching. And so in the midst of this, he has this to say in chapter 11 at the very end of the chapter. He says, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you are like me, when you read this, you have both a sense of comfort and assurance as well as a little bit of a challenge about how this is all going to work, right? There's this whole sense of, well, Jesus, you talk about how your, your burden is light and, and you might want to make life a little easier, but you're talking yokes and, and work and burdens, and, and I don't understand how those cohabitate sometimes. So I want to I try to unpack this just a little bit to help us better understand what Jesus is trying to reveal to us. Now, remember, he's, he's in a teaching moment, in a revelation to the, to the crowds about um, what salvation looks like and what his authority in bringing that salvation can mean. And so he's actually, in many ways, talking about how it is we can find this right relationship with him, how it is he's offering hope and healing for our souls, how it is he's offering a salve for our hurts and the harms in our lives. He wants to place us in right relationship with him so that we can discover hope and joy, right? And he's using a metaphor for that, a metaphor for salvation of rest. When you find your rest, this calmness, this this serenity, this assurance, if you'll find your rest in me, this is a part of what that salvation will look like. It'll look like a calmness for your soul. It'll look like a a hope in your heart. It'll look like a, a way forward that you might not be able to see. Now, this is not uh, common just to Jesus. The writer of Hebrews actually uses this same imagery for salvation. Today, I want to invite you to go home and read Hebrews chapter 4, because in Hebrews chapter 4, there's a great sort of litany about this salvation that brings rest, and it starts right near the beginning of that chapter. In chapter 4, verse 3, the writer says, he who has believed, those who have faith, those who believe in Jesus, he, he who has believed are able to enter and to find rest with God. 
Now, the entering here is about a relationship with Jesus. It's about a connection, right? A reliance upon who Jesus is. And if you have this rest, you'll be relying on Jesus. You'll be a, a closer step with him, a kind of lockstep, if you will. So Jesus is kind of setting the table to help us better understand what this salvation looks like. And in part, what it looks like is calmness of the soul while chaos is going on in the world, right? And in part, that's what salvation looks like, right? A part of salvation helps me to feel and sense God's presence and assurance in the middle of what is often hard to face. And when I'm overcommitted and overscheduled, that's sometimes hard to face, right? That's the first thing. He's, he's bringing rest to our hearts and to our minds about what this gift of salvation looks like. And then he uses this other uh, metaphor or image of, of a yoke, right? And that's where sometimes when we read this, we, we kind of fumble because we, we're, we're thinking Jesus is saying, man, life's going to be easy. If I'll just yoke up with Jesus, if I'll just hook up with Jesus, then, then I'm going to be good. And all my troubles and all my travails and all of life's heartaches and all of the difficulties and all of the struggles in life, they're all just going to magically disappear. But that's not what he's saying. And we need to hear that well, because sometimes when we get hung up on this, it prohibits us from fully uh, living into that relationship with Jesus because it doesn't make sense and it doesn't always work that way, right? But the imagery of the yoke is powerful. I know we don't really, you know, work with oxen or cows or horses much anymore, but in the biblical day, this was a powerful metaphor, right? The metaphor was this, number one, there is work to be done and the yoke helps us work, Right? That's the bad news. Man, the yoke means there's going to be work. The yoke means there's going to be, uh, you know, some burdens, if you will. But the gift of the yoke, if ever you understand the purpose, is that when I'm yoked with this other animal, I find help. I find strength. I find a partner to do my work with. I find that the work is less burdensome because I'm yoked with that person or that animal, right? Likewise, yokes were used not only to help lighten the burden, but yokes were used in order to help uh, uh, older or more wise or more seasoned animals help the newbies, right? Help them come along and kind of guide them into the journey and help them recognize what everything was going to look like and how it was going to work together. The yoke had a deep sense of purposefulness, and it helped make the work itself easier. But a yoke also um, causes us to think um, a, a little bit about the rabbis. The rabbis had begun to say to the Jewish folk, you need to yoke yourself to God's Word. You need to yoke yourself to the teachings of the law. And that's a good thing, right? But the yoke for many, the Pharisees in particular, and some of the Sadducees, the sects within Judaism, they had begun to implement that in such a way that the yoke was no longer helpful. It was actually burdensome because, of course, what they had discovered and a part of what Jesus was pointing out was that it's not the knowing of this Word. It's not actually uh, the doing of very specific things that will gain you this salvation, but it's rather a matter of the heart, right? It's a matter of belief. It's a matter of trusting and relying on our Savior and recognizing that it's His pure, unadulterated grace, unmerited favor that allows us the possibility to be in this relationship and receive this right connection with Jesus. Grace upon grace. 
And so Jesus was saying this yoke is a way to move forward rather than to bind us. It's a way to help ease our burdens rather than constrain us to certain things. What Jesus is not saying is that when we profess faith in Him that we have this invitation to a life of ease. He's not saying that. What he is saying is that he's issuing a deliverance from sort of pretending to in faith. And this pretending looks something like this. Uh, I, I know I, I've got all the answers. I'm good. Thanks. Or I, I know exactly what to do, and if I'll just do it rightly and if sufficiently and effectively enough, I'll, I'll get what it is I'm looking for, right? Or, or um, I can earn my way into my relationship with Jesus. I got this. I, uh, he's saying... Don't pretend. Don't rely on yourself. <laughs> rely on Jesus. Rely on His hope and His help and His yoke. He's, he's offering us an opportunity to recognize that um, He's not suggesting that we might have a, a release from our burdens, but rather what He is offering is setting us free from sin and death and the hope of salvation and the opportunity that that provides us for a future that has a sense of ease and calm and assurance. See, what Jesus is, is peddling here is hope. <laughs> what He's offering is a sense that all can be well even when all is not well, right? And that gift is a powerful opportunity for us to step into this relationship with Jesus that says, even when life is hard, even when the train's not going where you originally thought it was, even when all the wheels seem to be falling off, even when the hopefulness doesn't feel that it's there, may you know my peace. May you recognize my presence. May you find an assurance that I am with you. The Apostle Paul would write about this a couple of times, but my favorite, I'm sure, is yours as well, comes from Philippians chapter 4, where he says, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guide your hearts in Christ Jesus. That's a powerful gift, isn't it? It's a peace that we can't comprehend, that we don't fully get, that doesn't make sense at all, and yet... It's there, and it helps me, and it gets me through, right? And it, it helps guide me in life, and this becomes a powerful gift. This is what Jesus is talking about, a rhythm, a rhythm of relying and trusting in Him and receiving and connecting with Him in such a way that we know better how it is we can live in harmony with Him and with the world, how it is we can recognize this peace. I want you to hear this same teaching of Jesus from a different translation. Some of you know Eugene Peterson helped write the entire Scriptures in a new translation called The Message. And every once in a while, The Message just lays it out in such a way that it's understandable, it makes sense, and it's tremendously helpful. And when you hear this particular set of three verses that help us better grasp Jesus' teaching on salvation and ease and the rhythm of faithfulness, I think it'll make all the sense in the world. Here Jesus is teaching in a new way. 
Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I like that. I can sense the hope of Christ in that. And what I hear is this rhythm, right? Walk with me. Work with me. Watch me. Develop a relationship with me and you'll discover the unforced rhythms of grace. A gift. God's unmerited favor. An undeserved love. A peace that passes understanding. Because if you are like me, life sometimes just grabs hold and shakes. <laughs> and sometimes I'm a, a maker of my own mess. I commit to too many things. I try to fit too many things in a round hole and a square peg, and I can't make it all fit together. But I keep trying, and I keep shoving. And I keep pushing, and I keep thinking, man, it's somehow, the, surely there's an end over there. Surely there's a stopping point. Surely I can find some peace. But only when I develop a rhythm of walking and working and watching Jesus and seeing how he does it and discovering the joy of his love and the transformation of his hope and the wonder of his peace because it really does make a difference. There's a man named Andrew. He goes by Drew. He's a friend of one of our church members. And Andrew, Drew, is in recovery from addiction. And in his recovery, he participates in the ministry and the teaching and the life goals of uh, Denton Freedom House. Some of you know Denton Freedom House. We have a relationship with them, and um, they use the teachings of Jesus in the context of recovery uh, to help people find hope and healing. And a part of what they discover is a relationship with Jesus and a relying on His faithfulness and also the tools needful for recovery. So Drew and a friend of ours from here at church uh, had dinner just last week. And as they came to dinner, they, you know, they talk about a lot of different things, some of which is about recovery and some of which is about just life in general. And as they had uh, sat down at dinner that night uh, just last week, Drew was sharing with our friend uh, how difficult his day had been. Because a part of what Drew has come to realize in the months of his sobriety and his recovery is that this is a lifelong journey. It doesn't end. There is not healing or, or a solution, rather, but there is hope, and there is movement, 
and there is a daily journey. And sometimes there are ramifications, even when I'm doing good and I'm, I'm sober and I'm taking care of my business. And Drew had shared with our friend that just that day earlier, he'd received two phone calls that were devastating. One was about one of four DWIs that he had that was going to go to court and he would need to be prepared and there were going to be ramifications and his lawyer told him, not very hopeful, you are likely to be convicted. History, but relevant. The second phone call, only within an hour or two of that previous one, acknowledged uh, it was from one of those payday loan places where, you, you know, you give over your check and you get money and you pay ungodly interest of 30 or 40 percent. He'd not made a single payment. And they were calling to say, we're going to turn you over to a collection agency and we will pursue legal ramifications. You can well imagine that all of this history in catching up with Drew was devastating, right? It was overwhelming. It was like, oh my gosh, I can't kind of get past my history and I'm doing good and I'm, I'm sober and, and, and there's hope and yet all of this stuff just keeps landing on my plate and, and life is hard and the burden is heavy and I, I'm not 100% positive how I'm going to move forward. But in the meal with our friend, someone else had come up to the table seeking some help. They had had a difficult life and they needed, they were just asking for food. And so our friend here from the church went and bought a meal for that man and they sat down together and during the meal, our church member needed to make a pit stop so he left the table. When he came back to the table, he saw Drew and their new friend in a deep conversation about Jesus. For you see, Drew was sharing of his love for Christ, and he was sharing with his newfound friend of the hope that Christ had offered him. He was sharing with his newfound friend about the power and the peace and the hope that he had discovered just hours after the burdens had presented themselves in very vivid ways. And I cannot help but believe Drew understood the notion of the yoke. And the rhythms of walking and working with Jesus. And the hope of watching what that reliance brings. And how it offers a peace that passes all understanding. And how it brought to him an unforced rhythm of God's grace in his life. I wonder if we could discover that. In the midst of our hectic, harried schedules and calendars, in the midst of the burdens that keep piling up in our days, in the midst of everything that happens that feels as though life is turning topsy-turvy, I wonder, I wonder if we could find that rhythm too of walking and working with Jesus of watching him in action <laughs> in our lives, of discovering the unforced gift of God's undeserved love. I bet, I bet there'd be a way for us to know that peace 
that assurance, that hope, even though the circus is going on right next door, even though my heart sometimes hurts, even though the world feels like it's going to a bad place in a basket. I wonder, my prayer for all of us is that we could discover these rhythms, these rhythms of rest and remembering, these rhythms of relying on and receiving from our Savior and knowing that that rhythm provides a, a salve and a balm and a hopefulness even when. I pray we'll discover how to become unhurried and that we'll find the joy and the delight of the hope of these rhythms. May they be yours. May they be ours. And may we share the gift of their delight with others. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving Lord, Thank you for the gift of Sabbath, rest, and remembering. Thank you for the rhythm of reliance and trust in you and receiving your gifts of hope and of joy and of peace. May we rely on you more in the days that lie ahead that we might indeed find the comfort and hope and peace we seek. God, this is our prayer. And we lift it in the name of Jesus, whom we know to be the hope of the world. Amen. Friends, for your generosity that brings this hope, that offers this peace, that makes this possible, I give you thanks. If you brought a gift with you this morning, we have some brown boxes right outside the door, or of course you can give digitally. I'd love you to hear the story of one way that your generosity is making a difference through our Treach Enrichment Center. It'll be on the screen, and I hope it'll bring you a gift of joy today. Hi Treach, I'm Stephanie Pippett, the director of TEC Preschool. Your giving helps so many ministries happen here at Treach, and today I want to tell you about one that is impacting our church and our community. TEC Preschool has been ministering to children and families since 1986, with around 160 children ages 2 to 5 and 25 staff members, we share the love of Jesus and instill a love of learning for our early learners. Many of you have had children enrolled in TEC or been involved in the TEC ministry over the years. It has been a blessing to have many members of TREACH play an active role in TEC preschool by either working on staff, volunteering with special events, or helping with preparing classroom activities. We are so grateful for you and your generosity. Thank you for making ministry possible through your continued giving. To continue to give to Treach, scan the QR code, go to tmumc.org slash giving, or text the letters TMUMC to 45777. Thank you.